0: Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. good morning again. The message this morning is a heart for God. And what I, I hope to accomplish is to help each of us to honestly examine, do we, do we want more of God in our lives? Because certainly if we are followers of Christ, if you consider yourself a Christian, then you should have this, this desire, this hunger for more of God always in your life. And I begin by um, the Apostle Paul was preaching in the city of Antioch. And he said this, uh, he, he's kind of recounting the history of Israel because he's speaking to a Jewish audience. And part of that sermon, he, sa- he's, he quotes from First Samuel. And he says, then the people begged for a king. And God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now, this is quite a compliment to be able to have God say about you, you that he's a man after God's own heart. And that, again, that should be the desire, the, 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 the goal of every person who calls themselves a Christian. Now, it's important to note that David messed up a lot in his life. He was a real scoundrel. He did some really bad stuff. And yet God knew this was going to be the case. And yet he still said, he is a man after my own heart. So what I want to do today is I want to look at what David did, what David's attitudes were. And then I want to look at Jesus because Jesus is the perfect view of everything that that we should be about. Now, I want to look at David because if you're like me, a lot of times I have a hard time relating to Jesus from the standpoint that Jesus is perfect. And so when you see Jesus do these things and you see Jesus say these things, it's like it's easy to say, well, yeah, that's Jesus, of course. But when we see David with these attitudes, knowing that David was a regular person just like you and I, David messed up, and yet we see these attitudes expressed in David, then it's a little easier to say, okay, I can connect with David. I understand that he, he was a regular person. But never, ever, ever forget, our goal is to become like christ hebrews twelve two says we must keep our eyes on jesus who leads us and makes our faith complete he endured the shame of being nailed to a cross because he knew that later on he would be glad he did now he is seated at the right side or the right hand of god's throne so in your, in your walk with Christ, he is the goal. Everything you are about should be to become more like Christ. But this morning, again, what I'm wanting to do is look at David and look at some of the attitudes, some of the, 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 the approach that David had and see, see what he was like and then take that and look at Jesus because he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So the first thing that I want to point out is that David loved the word of God. In Psalm 119, verse 97, David said, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. He, he loved the word of God. And, and this is important for us to understand. The reason that he loved the word of God applies for us today. He said in Psalm 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you understand that when you Take the word of God into your life. When you meditate on the word of God, when you allow it to begin to permeate into who you are, then it's going to help you keep from sinning. Romans 12 to the second half of that verse uh, says to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's the same, the same thought process that as we, as we take more and more of the, of the Bible in, as we, as we become more and more influenced by the word of God, it will give us the ability to avoid sin, to recognize sin for what it is and to keep it out of our lives. David also understand that as he studied the word and as he, he meditated on the word of God, it would give him strength and comfort during his times of hardship. Again, in Psalm 119 verse 50, he says, my comfort in my suffering is this, your promises or your promise preserves my life. You see, when we go through hardships, it's leaning on the promises of God that, that hold us up. Remember that old song from um, Sunday school days, leaning, leaning, leaning on. Okay, I can't sing. Um, but, but the idea is that, that we, we trust the promises of God. When you go through hardship, when you go through persecution, when you go through struggle, it's real easy to, to go, oh no, those, you know, be like chicken little, the sky is falling. But if you have the word of God to rely on, then you can say, you know what? The promise of God says this. And as a result, I don't need to be worried. I don't need to be concerned. I don't need to be all worked up BECAUSE I KNOW THE BIBLE HAS PROMISED THAT GOD WILL NEVER LEAVE ME AND NEVER FORSAKE ME. GOD'S WORD ALSO WOULD GIVE HIM PEACE OF MIND. PSALM 119, VERSE 165, GREAT PEACE. Have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Again, when you have the word of God in your life, controlling your life, informing your life, then you're able to to be stable, to to rest because you understand God and and you understand that God will take care of you. Now, that's David, Jesus, who is the, the perfecter of our faith, who is the, the Word of God. Jesus said in, in John 6, and this is a scripture I used last week, verse 63, "The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Do we understand that the very words of God are life themselves? Simon Peter even says that in verse 68 of that same chapter, you have the words that give eternal life. Our, our very salvation comes from understanding the word of God. The word of God is what gives eternal life. And so we need to recognize that when Jesus spoke, that was the lips of God delivering the words of life. And so we need to we need to hold on to everything Jesus said. We need to to treat them like it matter. Treat Jesus's words like they matter because they are the words of life. Think about Jesus himself when he was tempted. Every response when when Satan was tempting Jesus after he had been in the wilderness for 40 days, every response Jesus had, he says, and scripture says in Matthew chapter four is where this takes place. In verse four, Jesus says, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 7, Jesus responds, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Verse 10, he says, get out of here, Satan, for the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Excuse me. Every interaction that Jesus had, he used scripture to to confront Satan. Satan. My question to you is, what is your love for the Word of God like? Do you hide the Word of God in your life? Do you treat it like the very source of life that it is? You know, is it what is most important in your interaction with God? Um, I, I have a news flash for you. Fox News is not the Word of Life. Jesus Christ is. And we need to understand that your hope isn't found in Washington, D.C. or Jeff City. Your hope is not found in how much ammunition you have stockpiled. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. And we we have this mindset that somehow it's up to us. It's up to us connecting to God. And we need to treat the word of God as the very words of life that they are. Psalm chapter one, verse one says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Well, may I say, if you are taking your lead from watching the news, if you're taking your lead from listening to what people are saying on Facebook, if you're taking your lead from the world, I'll just put it that way, then you are following the advice of the wicked. Verse two, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. We need to learn to delight in the Word of God. We need to understand and learn to meditate on it day and night. And when you do, the Bible promises you you will be blessed by that. David also loved to pray. He said in Psalm 116, verse 1 and 2, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayers for mercy, because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. His love for prayer was based on the fact that he had a connection with God and God listened to him. God heard him. God responded to him. He knew that when he prayed, God was paying attention. God was listening to him. And certainly Jesus was a man of prayer. He made it a point to slip away and pray in Luke 5:16. And this is just one of many examples. It says Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Understand that in times of trial and testing, Jesus would go to the word of, to go, go and pray. He would, he would slip away. Think about just before Jesus went to the cross, he went to Gethsemane and he prayed before he selected his disciples that were going to be his followers. He, he separated and prayed on the cross, three times that we are aware of when jesus prayed out loud jesus prayed father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing he said my god my god why have you forsaken me and father into your hands i will commend, i commend my spirit so three times that we are aware of jesus prayed while he was on the cross my my assumption is he was probably in prayer pretty much the entire time that he was on the cross. Because remember, Paul says, pray without ceasing and Jesus being perfect, prayed without ceasing. So do we understand how important prayer is that that it is a necessity of your life? If you are a follower of Christ, you should pray constantly pray consistently. It should be just a matter of, of routine that you, as you go through your day, you are in constant, ongoing, open communication with God. Prayer is not something you do just before you eat a meal. Prayer is a dialogue where you are constantly talking to God, interacting with God. Philippians four, beginning with verse six says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Everything. Do you understand everything? That means everything. You pray about what you're going to have for dinner. Dinner. You pray about doing dishes and dusting in the house. You pray about everything. That's how, how detailed we are supposed to be in our prayer lives. Don't, don't look at it as prayer is something that you're interrupting God God is God. You can't interrupt God, but when you pray, what you're doing is you are you are expressing your your connection to God, and you're you're praying uh, by praying. You're you're also uh, allowing yourself to be open to and guided by the Holy Spirit. If you're shut down and you never pray. Except under certain circumstances, then you're, you're limiting God's influence in your life. Prayer is where you will receive the power to live the Christian life. Pray without ceasing. Psalm 32, verse 6 says, Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment for you are my hiding place you protect me from trouble you surround me with songs of victory david also loved to worship god Seven times a day, he says in Psalm 119, verse 164, seven times a day, I praise you. He prays God because this is what happens when we worship. When you worship, what you're doing is you are telling God what is great about God. And so as you're telling God, this is why you're great. You're great because of your righteousness, your holiness, your justice. What it does is it teaches you more about God because you may have never really thought about, well, why why is God so wonderful? Well, um, let me think about it. And you start listing off the reasons God's wonderful. He's wonderful because he gave us salvation. Even if nothing else mattered, that alone is reason enough to worship God. Because of God, we have salvation. But don't let yourself stop there. Begin to allow yourself to see all of the wonderful things about God. And that's it, seven times a day David praised God. He praised God because he was righteous. He praised God because he was great, because of his love. And, you know, he was determined. He says in Psalm 104, that I will sing praises as long as I live. Well, Jesus certainly loved to praise God when he was teaching the Lord's prayer. The very first verse in the Lord's prayer, Matthew six says in this manner, therefore, pray our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's that? That's praise That's worship. He's acknowledging God and he's saying, You are great. Your name is to be magnified. He even in the at the Last Supper, it says in Matthew 26, um, that at the end of the Lord's Supper, they sang a hymn and then they went out. Have you ever stopped to think about the fact that Jesus sang? Isn't that a, kind of a cool thought? You know, it, just that Jesus sang. He worshipped God, lifting up his voice. Now he didn't sing the songs that you and I sing because he didn't speak English. But I, I know. I, I let me. This is going to break some of your bubbles. Jesus did not speak in King James English. I, I I know that that comes as a surprise. Cliff up there. Um, (laughs) But just understand that Jesus worshipped. He celebrated God. He honored God and he even sang about it. It should be natural for you and I who call ourselves Christians to worship God. And let me say this, that if you have a problem singing, if you have a problem worshiping God, there is a red flag. There is something wrong in your relationship with God. If you don't worship him, if you don't fill the need or the desire to lift up your voice and sing. This has nothing to do with quality. This has to do with attitude of heart. David also loved fellowship. He loved unity. He, he understood how important that was. In Psalm 133, verse 1, he wrote, "...how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony." David understood the value of a friendship. Uh, If you remember from reading in the the Old Testament, David and, and Jonathan, who was Saul's son, had a very close, loving relationship. They meant a lot to each other. David also knew the terrible pain of a broken relationship. Remember, his sons Absalom and Amnon both rebelled against him, both broke his heart. And so we need to, to recognize how important unity is within the body, within the fellowship. Certainly, Jesus understood that. You know, Jesus had his heart broken by Judas. When Judas turned his back and and betrayed him. Did you know that Jesus prayed for his disciples that they would be unified in John 17? And did you know that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he accomplished so much more than just our salvation? one of the things that jesus was accomplishing when he died on the cross is that he was dying so that we would be unified that we would become one body ephesians 2 beginning with verse 13 says but now you have been united with christ jesus once you were far away from God but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. Unity is one of the things that should be a hallmark of of a Christian, of the Christian family. We are to be known by our love, but we are also to be known by our unity. We we are will we are supposed to be willing to set aside our own agendas. Remember, take up your cross daily and follow Christ. What that means is my will is secondary. Your will is secondary. We all esteem each other as more important than ourselves. And so for the good of the cause of Jesus Christ, we set aside our personal preferences. We set aside our agendas for the agenda of unity of the body of Christ. That's biblical. And that's the way we're supposed to live. And that's the way we're supposed to think. It's not, this is my church and we're going to do it my way. That's, that's not biblical. That's not Christian. That's a, that's a heresy out of hell. Now, David hated falseness. He hated fakeness. Psalm 119, verse 104, he says, your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. And his his hatred, again, was based on his understanding of the word of God. When we see Jesus cleansing the temple, the reason Jesus hated that was because he recognized the falseness of what they were doing. You know, um, when, when a person is filled with the word of God and when a person is being led by the spirit because they are in close connection with God, because they have a prayer life that's connected to God, then they're going to hate falseness. They're going to hate hypocrisy. Certainly Jesus hated hypocrisy. He went hard after the Pharisees who were so religious and they did everything right. And, you know, they had the best prayers and they were the the most religious people in the whole land. But inside they were not honoring God. They did not love God. They did not have a desire for God. They were just being religious gross fake hypocrites. What's our attitude about deceit? Because we are deceitful by nature and we need to be careful. Are we we too easy to compromise and and too easy to fake it instead of being right in our, our attitude toward God? You know, it's the souls of people that are at stake here. You know, we're so worried about our own self-esteem and our, our, our own how we appear to everybody else. And the fact is, people see the fakeness in our, our lives and they're turned off by that. And as a result, they don't want the Jesus that we're, we're offering because they're looking at us saying, why would I want to be like that? Second Corinthians chapter 10 puts it into perspective. It says, we are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Part of the Great Commission is that we are to go out and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey what Christ taught. That's our responsibility. We have a world that's going to hell. And we're standing around. I really liked the little interlude video just before I got up to preach. I almost got up and said, hey, I don't need to say anything, that just did it. But then I knew you all would leave. So, uh, you know, what we need to understand is that our job is to be out in the world, changing the world and bringing people to Jesus Christ. Our job is not to sit in church and say, y'all come in here. Did you know that nowhere in the Bible is there ever any indication that the unsaved are supposed to come to church? We are to go into the world, not the world come into the church. That's, That's a false approach. So what we need to do is we need to hate falseness. We need to stand for Jesus Christ and we need to be real. When we have problems, we need to say, you know what? I'm struggling. I've got problems. I'm not doing well, but because of the promises of Jesus Christ, I'm standing on that. And I, and that's what's going to, to carry me through. Notice that going back to the Acts 13 because david was a man after god's own heart god said he will do all of my will god was confident that even though david was a scallywag david did some bad stuff but even that because because he knew he had a heart for god because god knew david had a heart for god god knew David was going to come through and do what he was supposed to do. A lot of times we say, you know, I'm just not I'm 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 not right for God. I've messed up. I've done this or I've done that. And so God can't use me. It's not our place to decide whether God can use us or not. It's God's place to decide how he wants to use us. And so our responsibility is to be faithful, to go after God, to have a heart for him. When we mess up, and we will, God will say, you blew it. We say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Help me to correct this. Help me to get right. And then we move forward. That's what David did. Remember, in 1 Timothy 4, 7, it says, train yourself to be godly. That's the goal. You're working at this, to be more godly. Now, let me say, if you don't find that you don't, if you don't love being in the Bible, if you don't really have a prayer life and you don't really care whether you have a prayer life, if, if praising God isn't something you want to do, you know, if, if, if being with other Christians isn't something you, you look forward to and you desire, there's a problem in your spiritual life. Please hear that. It means something is not right. And if there's something broken, you need to get it right with God. You need to come to God and say, God, things are not right here and I don't know what to do. So help me and confess your sin. Open yourself up and allow God to have access to your life. Train yourself to be godly, which means you do the work necessary. You get into the word of God. You know, nobody likes to go to the gym when they first go to the gym. But after they've done it for a while, it becomes a part of who they are. Focus on getting doing the things that will help you become a better Christian. Spend time in the word of God. Spend time in prayer. Spend time praising God and worshiping him. Spend time hanging out with other Christians just socially but to support and build each other up that's the point of small groups that's the point of, of bible study train yourself make yourself do the work necessary the result is you will have a heart for god and god will use you to carry out his work and his will that's why we're here If you want to find value, if you want to find purpose in your life, that's where you'll find it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us enough to save us. Thank you for setting aside eternity and coming to this earth and dying on a cross for us. God, we so desperately need you. We don't need more of the world. We've got plenty of that. Lord, we need you. Help us to separate ourselves off in a way that we allow you to fill us and, and anoint us. And then not to stay separated, but to go into the world and do the work of calling people to you. Help us, Father to truly be the church, and to have the heart that you have called us to have. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.